God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. God bless and welcome to another episode of Family Discussion. Thank you all for joining us. As always, I am joined by the incomparable Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you today? I'm doing well, but you know, you skipped a few letters. I did. I'm sure there's a, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to the C's and D's and all that. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. Incomparable just flew out of my mouth today. Was the well, right you know word. what? I'll take it. There you go. How, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, we're finally feeling some fall here. I love it. Um, because for a while there, I was beginning to feel like I had never left Texas. It was so hot. Like, wait, what's the date? But, you know, we've been having some gorgeous fall days. The weather is cool and crisp and the leaves are starting to turn. So uh, a lot of fall in the air. It's my favorite season, I'll be honest. I mean, I... I, I Cannot stand summer. It reminds me too much of uh, my many years in the Arizona desert, although it's yeah. incredibly humid up here in New York. Um, well, at least compared to Arizona. But, um, you know, there's something about fall. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. The, the leaves yeah, changing really and the Christmas in the air. And, you know, the I guess you also get back to routine. You know, I got school-age kids, so school's back in session and um, the football is back on the TV, which is always nice. And, uh, so yeah, I'm loving the fall this year. It's been nice. Um, so we are moving toward the end of this season of family discussion and, um, only have a couple episodes left. We've been laying some foundation. Lisa, walk us through what we're going to be doing today. Okay. So today we're going to talk about something that is, in my opinion, just as important as placing our belief in Jesus Christ, um, in that we are called into his body. Um, I think for a long time we've gotten, uh, you know, in contemporary evangelicalism, it, you know, Christianity can get reduced to this individualistic um, prospect, but it's not. You know, and that is not all through scripture from Genesis to Revelation. You know, God calls out a people. And so we don't just get saved to for us it to be, you know, us and God, but it's to be us as a people in God. And so we want to talk today about the local church, the importance of the local church um, and, and why it, it's important in terms of where we find ourselves with the divisions that we have, um, with all of the noise on social media 
um, and, and factors that can influence how we view the local church. And we really want to kind of get to the heart of what, you know, why that's important and why we need to give the local church a prominence um, over everything else. Well, and I think, you know, it's just so our listeners know where we're coming from. Um, I think we would both be understood as kind of, I guess the old word would be churchmen. You know, I don't know what the gender-inclusive way to say that is. Um, church person. Church persons, church folk. Let's just go church folk. <laughs> church folk. I church like folk. church folk. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, we, we have a very high view of the local church. I'm a pastor in a local church. Um, and uh, at least a lot of your ministry, when um, you're out and about, is you're speaking to local churches. Um, yes. And, you know, you have a women's retreat coming up in the near yes. future, for example. That's for the local church. Um and, and I think one of the things that we want to really emphasize today is that the local church isn't a secondary ministry, but it's a primary ministry. Um, the local church is not the place where you go while you're waiting for your next conference. Um, the local church isn't where you go just because you feel like it's your Christian obligation to go listen to a sermon. But actually the, the life and um, really the rhythms of the local church are the rhythms of the Christian life. Um, and I think in, in American culture, for so long, church was just kind of the add-on thing that you would do at the beginning of the week. It, it wasn't really the heartbeat of your Christian walk. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit more about why the local church is so important, but also how some of the advances in, um, maybe the advance in technology is the wrong way to put it, but the prominence of kind of the evangelical machine, how that has maybe challenged the local church when I think it intended to support the local church. Um, mm. But in our sinfulness, we've twisted that a little bit. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that. Lisa, why don't we start by explaining a little bit of our own experience with the local church, um, maybe our own story of coming up in the local church, the importance of the local church in our lives. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll start for just a brief with a brief okay. story while you think about that. Um, and, and my brief story would be that I haven't always had positive experiences in the local church. Um, I want to, I want to put this out there first. A lot of people might be listening and saying, well, I've been really hurt by my local church. Um, so have I. Um, I remember when I was a teenager, when my parents separated, um, we, we went to church right after that. And nobody would speak to us. Um, oh. Nobody would speak to us at that church because, um, well, you know, divorce is a sin. Um, but they weren't there to care for us. They weren't there to bind up our wounds. They wanted nothing to do with us. Um, and, and later some of them said, well, we just didn't know how to respond. Um, and maybe that's true. But they definitely responded in a pretty poorly way there uh, by just not not caring for us, especially not caring for my mom in that time. Um, and that really hurt deeply and, and created a lot of mistrust in me for the local church. Um, but I've also found um, when I was newly married, relatively newly married, we were married for a little over a year, we were in a different local church, found out that we were pregnant, and um, bags and bags and bags of stuff just showed up. Just people just showed up to care for us because we were in a new town, um, far away from home, no family, very few friends, 
but a part of a local church, and they showed up to care for us. Um, so I've, I've been hurt by the local church. I've been really supported by the local church. Um, but I think while that's good story, what we'll get to in a minute is that our connection to the local church isn't based on whether or not we've had good or bad experiences with the Amen. local church, right? So, Lisa, what's your experience been like in the local church? Oh, Lord. Oh, where do I start? Well, you know, as I um, kind of alluded to in our Meet the Host episode, I came to Christ under some fairly messed up theology. Um, but when I, But I also came to Christ with this hunger to read the Bible. I didn't know how to read it. Well, nobody showed me how to connect the dots of these 66 books. But the one thing that overall impressed me, even with all of the messed upness of, you know, of the theology, was this idea that we, you know, we belong to a local body. Um, I, you know, that was one of the things that kind of, that really stood out to me in scripture. So even after my, you know, I went through this 13 year rebellion and I came back. And immediately, uh, you know, right after I picked up my Bible, immediately my first thought was, I need to find a church. Well, my, you know, my husband wasn't a Christian, so it was really just me. But there was there were, there was something, there was a, a deposit there um, because of the word that I had read in my earlier Christian years that I knew I needed to be part of a, a local body. And even then, I was, you know, a part of non-denominational um, uh, structures that had a, you know, strong Pentecostal background with a little sprinkling of, you know, word of faith. And the first church that I went to after that, you know, that rebellious period, it was, it was fairly solid and they really took teaching, uh, very serious. Um, from there, I went to a smaller, went to a startup ministry that was pastored by my my late husband's oldest brother of course we know my husband was still living at the time and um very you know again the pentecostal foundation but more charismatic uh sprinkling of new what we would call now the new apostolic reformation so you know so i'm still kind of navigating through this this the and being influenced by this theology that really put a focus on how much you do, and that certainly imposed itself on ministry. So my rather negative experience was the fact that I had this horrible home life. I had a sick husband who was not kind to me, and I'm in a church that's being pastored by his oldest brother, and I just felt like I had to sacrifice so much. Um, because, oh, and by the way, it was like 45 minutes away, but there was such an emphasis on, you know, being on your post, making sure you're not a pew sitter, um, where I, I did not feel supported by, you know, by the local church, but I was expected to, you know, uh, to, to serve and be on my post and whatnot. Well, when I, you know, when I was challenged in 2006 and how I was reading the Bible and a lot of and, and exposed to a lot of the beliefs I mean, and I would say just reading the Bible exposed how some how I was twisting and being influenced by twisted teaching. Um, and from there, I, I started running into some very positive experiences. I ended up at a 
small Bible church in Dartmouth, Massachusetts. And there I really got a bet for, for me, I think a, a more healthy church life or body life, I should say. Um, my first church in Dallas was, it was large, well, medium compared by Dallas standards. To me, it was a big church. Um, <laughs> Texas and does it everything was, bigger, right? Yeah, no, everything's bigger in Texas. And it was, I served, you know, I served in a couple of different capacities. And after that, it just felt lonely. It felt, it began to feel like a drop-in center. And I thought, Church is not supposed to be a drop-in center. Well, but this time I'm in the middle of seminary and I'm asking this question, what is church, what is the church and what is her purpose? And from there, that's when I start, that's when I became introduced to the PCA. Um, but my initial transition to the PCA was primarily motivated by my, you know, by this, um, the, by the doctrine of the church and in terms of what is church supposed to be, because I think sometimes we reduce it to where can I find a good sermon? But that's not all what church is. And if you look at the passage in Acts, the early church, you know, what did they do? They they sat under the apostles teaching. So, of course, we translate that into preaching. But they you know, it was through prayer and fellowship and the breaking of bread. It was our body life. Our body life is just as important as how good the teaching is. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, a couple of things to draw out of what you were just sharing. Um, local churches come in a whole lot of different shapes and sizes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it becomes difficult for some folks to say, well, what local church should I go to? What is it I should be looking for in a local church? Um, I do think that the teaching and the preaching is important, but what, like you were saying, there's, a, there's more to a local church than just the, the sermon and the preaching. There's, there's more to a local church than just what happens on Sunday mornings. Yes. Um, and, and I think that we've also reduced it, our, our approach to church, to Sunday morning. I'm going to go, I'm going to get my, my hour of, of worship, some churches, hour and a half, a few, um, you know, if you, if you go to some of the Spanish-speaking churches that my dad would take me to sometimes, and it's like four or five hours of, of worship with food and somewhere in the middle of that, um, <laughs> you know, but it, it's, um, it's more than just what happens on a Sunday morning, but it, it is a community and a culture um, that there's a kingdom culture to the church, and, and we're not great at necessarily creating that culture within sometimes, but there is a culture to a local church. There is a community to a local church. There's a way that the local church influences their community and the world. Um, there's a whole lot that we want to bring into consideration when we're thinking through what is a healthy local church, what is a local church that we want to join in membership and really be a part of and, and identify as mine. Um but there are a lot of people who are convinced that they don't need the local church. They can do this on their own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wrestled with it for a little while, but, you know, you talked about the word kind of helping push you back towards the local church. There are so many one another commands in the New Testament yes. that for me it becomes impossible to live mm-hmm. out the Christian life the way God has designed it without being in a local body where we are able to pray for one another and bear our, bear one another's burdens and confess sin to one another and um, even even challenge one another. You know, mm-hmm. um, when we think through what it means to be a local church, part of that is church discipline. Um, yes. You know, and, and how do we hold one another to account, but how do we also encourage one another? And, um, 
and really lift one another up to the Lord. All of these things have to happen within a local church. That's what that's all a local church is, is the community of believers trying to be obedient right. to what the the commands of the Lord are. Right. Um, and that means being together so that we can do the one another's. Right. And I, you know, and I go back to this passage in Ephesians 2, you know, when he taught, he's, you know, telling primarily to these Gentile, uh, Gentile Christians that they were alienated, but now they are members of God's household. And so, and he says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and with the saints and members of the household of God. And here, and here's what, what seals it for me, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. So the idea that we can separate from that, you know, from the visible representation of what this is, which is our local church to me, that's that's just anathema. Um, we are already called into the body, and that body is supposed to grow up in you know in the Lord, and we really cannot do that apart from the local church. Well, and this idea that we can separate, it it, it comes from the height of privilege, right? I mean, mm. I know that's a word some people are, are no. bothered by, but um, but it is. I feel I feel triggered. I'm sorry to do that to you. <laughs> But okay. uh, but no, it is. It comes from the highest privilege. Yeah. You you can only consider church optional if your life doesn't depend on on mm. being around other brothers and sisters. Yes, church is only optional if you're living in a place that has so treated Christianity like a um, nice happy add-on for your business interests. Um, you know, I mean, and that's what church was for, for a while in American history. It was just part of what it meant to be a good American. You went to a Protestant church. Um, you go to other places in the world, it's not like that at all. You are, you are desperate f- to find other brothers and sisters because there are either so few of you or because you are under profound persecution. Um, there's mm-hmm. a reason why local churches in Iran and China are so, so, so um, central to the life of local believers there. They are desperate for one another. We don't have that same desperation in the United yeah. States. And I think that's led to us being able to say, oh, well, I can go and worship God out in the trees. There's some kind of nonsense like that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you need your brothers and sisters. Because even though you don't feel desperate, you are desperate mm-hmm. for the fellowship of the saints. Yeah. And to me, I think that that speaks to the influence of American culture on the church, this idea that we can go and be rugged individuals, you know, just, you know, us and God without, you know, without the local body. I think that really speaks to the influence of American culture. So I think this is a a good place to ask about, you know, negative influences, right? So we've had, so we talk about church herd and we, we know we both experienced that that's real. Um, but there are other, um, influences that could kind of lead us away from the, not only lead us away from the local church, but also impose, 
um, you know, expectations on the church that maybe should not be there. Yeah, well, I mean, you've mentioned Americanism, right? And mm-hmm. and I, I use the term Americanism because I'm not talking just about um, the United States of America, but uh, and and we'll get to this in the future. Mm-hmm. But there's Americanism is a is a religious system mm. that is. Um, I think it's something that we're not aware of, but there's a whole worldview and a whole way of living with their sacraments and their hymns that is Americanism. Um, and I think that that can really influence us in negative ways. And one of those negative ways is this rugged individualism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's also um, some well-intentioned things that we have done in the larger American church that have actually turned around to hurt us. Mm. Um and, and over the last, I mean, maybe since the, the back end of the Billy Graham Crusades, mm-hmm. I think that the desire to have massive crowds um, mm. has been something that has influenced us in really negative ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're all captured by the story of, of Billy Graham's revivals and crusades, and he would go and he would preach, and there'd be thousands and thousands and thousands of people come to Christ. Some people, I think, took that kind of revival type atmosphere and said, well, what if we built a local church around that idea huh. where we build big, big crowds and we have these massive experiences every weekend. Um, and I think that that there is a, that is part of the influence of why the mega church movement happened, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is it's in response to what they're seeing on TV with the Billy Graham crusades and saying, Hey, I want that experience in my local church. Why is it that I only get to go hear something like that when Billy Graham comes comes to town, but then I have to go back to my local church and listen to my preacher, who's not as good as Billy Graham, and listen to music that's not sung as well as George Beverly Shea. And I want that experience in my hometown, and I want right. it every week. Right, and it becomes very just consumeristic the, that way, you know. Yeah, and and not just the you know not just the the preaching, but the size, you know. And here again, I think this is a you know, an area where Americanism, American culture has seeped in because bigger is better, right? What, by right. what measure, by what measure do we, you know, by what standard, by what criteria do we measure success? So if we have more people in a building, well, certainly that means success, but that is not success according to how scripture defines success. It's the success is how well the body, you know, not only feeds on Christ, but emulates Christ. How, how much is that body a witness to the world? How are the saints within that growing together in the Lord? That's how we measure success, not by numbers. Absolutely. And, and what has happened is the emphasis on large churches and, and, and the large church movement um, really is, is, in some ways dying out because I think a lot of people are wanting to go back to um, medium and small size churches that they're feeling, they're experiencing a little bit of what you described, a sense where you can kind of just drop in and then leave and nobody knows, knows that you've done that. Um, But there is still this culture of bigger is better. And one of the ways that you get bigger is become less complex. Um, Mm -hmm. And when you become less complex, it means that you're going to start, you're not going to, talk about some of the things you used to talk about because then people will leave and you're not going to be able to grow or you're not going to 
expect as much out of your people because if you expect too much and they're not going to want to be there they'll go to the other big church where they don't have to do mm-hmm. so much right so mm-hmm. we're not going to ask that they are here on Sundays on a on a almost weekly basis and they're a part of a bible study and they're discipling somebody else and they're serving in their in their local church or community we're not going to ask for all of that we're just going to ask that they show up on a Sunday morning and we're right. going to continually lower the bar for the sake of growing our numbers. Um, and I say that very well aware of the fact that I serve in a church that is larger than a lot of churches in my denomination. Um, but one of the things that's unique about my local church that I love so much is that we have, um, as we have grown, we have broken up so that we're in four different locations in four different cities in our area. So the Hudson Valley is a, is a semi-rural community. And mm-hmm. so... Um, when we put a new location out, it's normally in a completely different town or city than, than we were in before. Okay. Um, and we have live preaching in each one of those places. It's not a, it's not a screen preacher like, like in some multi-site churches. But we're one church, and yeah, we regularly worship in, it, with a lot of folks on a Sunday. But you're regularly worshiping with a lot of folks who are kind of spread out, and you kind of have both the smaller local church and the larger church all in one. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's all about big and the next building the next big auditorium to fit all your masses of people, mm-hmm. um, it does become a question of how well are you discipling these folks, or are they right. just there for a show? And we are such an entertainment-driven culture that we, as a church, have tried to compete with that and say, how can we become more entertaining? Um, not, it's not that relevance is bad, but entertainment is not one of the marks of the church, right? And that's, I think, one of the things that we have to be really careful of in American Christianity is that we are making entertainment one of the marks of the church. It's not supposed right. to be that way. The, the marks of the church are, are few. It mm-hmm. is the preaching of the word. It is the pure administration of the sacraments. It is church discipline. And it is prayer. That's mm-hmm. it. That's, the mar- that's how you know you have a true church. Um, the way I boil it down for folks when they're saying, hey, I'm trying to decide if I should go to this church, it's do they preach the word? Do you, do you observe the sacraments? And do the people love each other well? If, if yes to those three, then you can be a part of that church. Right. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to have a fog machine in order to do that. Um, fog machines. See, I, fog, I see a fog machine. I'm, I'm walking out. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sorry. <laughs> but now let's, let's look the other way, though. Because it's very easy to big up on the, beat up on the big churches. Right. Um, what are some of the problems that we're seeing in some of these smaller churches? That is just as ungodly. Authoritarianism. You have, you know, you know, because, you know, churches have different structures. But I think in smaller churches, you're more likely to have a more top down approach. You're more likely to have, you know, one person uh, calling the shots. Um, And I would say even within Presbyterianism, the. you know, you have a session, but there's still maybe a smaller mindset so that the, you know, the, the, the concerns of, of the body aren't really, you know, being take, you know, being considered, um, you, you know, and again, I'm speaking in generalities because that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I was a member of a smaller PCA church in in Dallas. I mean, we had a membership, maybe about 200. But I know I've known of, you know, um, PCA churches with memberships of 50. So 
Um, you know, and then when you, and, and another problem too, I think in the smaller churches is that, you know, people will, you, you, so on one hand you have greater intimacy, right? You're able to, you know, to interact and, and, and know people, but then there's other issues that could lead to like gossip. Um, because now that you know, you know, now that you know people, it's, you know, kind of licensed to gossip, licensed to create little clicks in, you know, in sex. And so I think that that's a, you know, that's a, a danger in the smaller churches. And again, I'm speaking in generalities. It doesn't necessarily have to be. I'm sure there are many loving, uh, small congregations, um, but if, you know, especially if you don't have the church structure involved with the plural, plurality of, of elders, you know, there is more of a propensity for, you know, one person to kind of uh, call the shots. Absolutely. And I like that you're, you're mentioning, listen, this, isn't have to, this doesn't have to define your small church. It's also been clear that this doesn't have to define your large church either. You could be in a mega church that is doing things really, really well. And has mm-hmm. a lot of systems in place to really care for their people well. Um, you can, you know, there are, um, there is a church, for example, in the Middle East that um, our church is connected with. They rolled out small groups, um, and they had something like eighty percent of their members as a part of small groups, um, mm. and they're caring for wow. their members well. And they're a large church. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because you're a large church doesn't mean you're inherently bad. Just because you're a small church doesn't mean you're inherently right. bad. It's how are you caring for your folks, and is the word being faithfully proclaimed? Um, right. And and so I think, you know, in the small church, it is also a tendency for folks in the pews to hold their pastors up to um, in comparison to those folks that they hear in the big churches or yes. on the conference circuit. And this is another thing where, yeah, you can get an authoritarian pastor who's an absolute jerk and going to destroy the place. You can also get a congregation that holds the pastor to such an unreasonable standard that the mm. pastor is going to end up failing. Um, right. And I think that that's another way that we've been influenced by American culture. Um, mm-hmm. We are a bigger is better culture. We're also a celebrity culture. We care about our celebrities in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. This is why we elected a celebrity as the president. We care wow. about our. Are we, I mean, and and that's just the case. I mean, listen, yeah. some some no name senator from a small state somewhere isn't going to have the the clout of a senator from New York or a senator from California. We because celebrity matters because they're the ones who get on TV and they're right. the ones on the talk shows. So. We care a lot about celebrities in this culture. Um, we've done the same thing in the church. Celebrity, I want to be very clear here, does not mean well-known. That's not what that means, because there's a lot of folks who are well-known. Paul was well-known. Would we mm-hmm. call him a celebrity? I don't think so, personally. But he was very well-known in the local church. So to be a celebrity is not to be well-known. To be a celebrity is to... Um, how do I put this in a... Celebrity means to be about your brand, not about the mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. All right. To be well known because you are preaching the word. All right. Praise God. To be well known because you're good at cultivating your brand. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily what the local church is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And we have created a conference culture and a celebrity culture that's about brand. And we are tending to bring that back to the local church in some problematic ways. 
Yes. And I would say, and that, that touches on another, um, you know, issue for me in terms of what we are making of conferences. Um, and I think you're right. Like if you are more excited about going to conference, you know, X or Y, because, you know, because this or that preacher is going to be that you're more excited about that than going to your local church on Sundays or being part of the body life. Like to me, that's a problem. Um, so there was an article that came out on the Gospel Coalition. It was written by Caleb Gregson, and it was published October 18, 2019. And the title of the article is Evangelical Celebrity and the Root Problem Behind Big Eva. And in line with what you were saying, he said one of the, he said one of the problems is that, um, and I'm trying to find it. Okay. So when, so he says one of the problems is that, you know, we take this, you know, this influence about, you know, a celeb, you know, celebrity preacher X that has like 10 books out and we're so enamored with what they say. And then you know, and then come back and listen to the sermons from the pastor of our local church um, and then have this expectation, you know, and because we have this comparison game. But here's what I love what he says about that. He says, the more we, we neglect these more local and cumulative influences and instead pour our hopes of Christian impact into the idea of Christian celebrity, there is another dark and tragic cost. We downplay the value of the faithful saint who attends our church every week and prays for every request she ever hears. We communicate to regular Christians that they're less valuable to God than those whose names are widely known. So it's not just about the preacher, but now there's an expectation on members in the congregation. It's like, well, what are you doing? Um, and again, like you said, it's that influence of, you know, of a celeb, of an American celebrity culture that we can impose on the local church. And, and I think we want to be very careful that we create in our local churches an expectation for people to simply be the people of God and not have to measure up. Right. Um, you know, that's one of the things that celebrity culture does is like you're saying, I mean, it, it creates in us a sense of inadequacy and part mm -hmm. of what we have to do. And let me, let me talk to pastors for a second here. Part of what we have to do is create an expectation in the folks that we are called to lead that it's okay to just be them in all their mess and all their inadequacies and all their struggles um, in with their talents and their lack of talents. They just need to be them. They don't need to be whatever they're seeing out there in the world, and they don't need to be what they're seeing out there in the Christian celebrity world. Um, just as much as pastors don't have to try and be the next Tim Keller, they just have to be themselves. Local church members don't have to be, um, you know, whatever they see as the great big Christian hero. They can just be themselves. They can be the person that God has made them to be. And there's value there. You've been made by God. You have value. You serve in your local church and just be you. And and don't feel like you got to have it all together. And don't feel like you got to be that picture, uh, that paragon of Christian virtue. Just be you. Um and let us come alongside you and love you well. Um, we, we, the other thing that we have done is we've created this myth of what it means to be a good Christian. Um, I don't know where that myth came from, 
but for some, it's it's to meet a certain cultural expectation, or it's you know they watched um, they watched that movie Fireproof, and so their marriage has got to look a particular way. Um, you know, it, it's it's this thing where it's like, listen, folks, just be you, and be in the community, and and be as messy as you really are, and all these other messy people are going to come around, and they're going to love you, and they're going to walk with you. When we hold each other beyond a standard that God holds us to, we become, we get really problematic. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, and I think that we can, you know, we can, we can go on, but, but here's the point. The point is that, you know, God calls us, we're, we've been baptized into the body of Christ. And so what is your local body making of Jesus Christ? You know, we can, you know, another concern that I have is how much of the, you know, kind of the specific issues that are out today are being imposed on the church. But, but, you know, is that pastor, you know, opening the Bible and explaining the word, giving relevant application um, and really making much of Jesus Christ? Um, I honestly believe that, you know, there's been a lot of... Um, over the past several decades of, you know, making church relevant, um, maybe the past few de- decades, you know, we, we don't need to make church relevant. Church is supposed to be other cultural. When I go into a body, when I go into a local assembly, to, for me, it's supposed to feel different than what I get out in the world. Um, and so I want to know, like, how, what do you, what do you make of Jesus Christ? And his commands and his call to, you know, to the body that and oftentimes are going to conflict with, you know, with the world. You know, how how are we going to be salt and light um, into that world and, and a world that is increasingly growing hostile to Christianity? That's what to me, that's like, what are what, what's going on inside there? Let's not bring all of the baggage from outside um, you know, into the church, like, what are you, what are you making of Christ and his body and our witness to the world? Um, you know, and for me that, that has to take preeminence over everything else. I totally agree. And, and it, it brings, um, it brings up this, uh, just something that we should, we should put out there. There is a reason to leave your local church. There is a yes. reason to leave. If, if the gospel is not being proclaimed, if the membership is being abused, which means that those two criteria, right, that, that Jesus is being proclaimed and the people are loving each other well, if those things aren't happening, then feel free to, to leave. Um, don't leave because they decided to do X when you wanted to do Y. Don't leave because right. you didn't get your way. Don't mm-hmm. leave because the style of worship has shifted a little bit and it's not the way that you liked it. Don't leave because they're doing this program now when they really should be doing that program. No, no, mm-hmm. no. Don't, don't leave over those reasons. You leave if Christ is not being proclaimed and if the people are being treated poorly or treating one another so poorly that the love of the saints isn't there anymore. That's right. when it's, you feel free to go. Um, but I, I think we have, and this is part of the individualistic consumeristic culture, we've lowered the bar. I will leave if it doesn't meet this criteria. Mm-hmm. And then we will get on social media and say, hey, if they don't meet my criteria, you need to leave your church. Right. What? That No. 
No, 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 no. We, we don't get to tell that to one another. Serve your local church until you can no longer serve your local church. Notice I didn't say attend your local church. Serve your local church. If you if you're going to church, you're serving your church. Um, and I, I want to encourage folks to to do less, or I mean, do more than just show up, but actually be involved and serve one another in the local church. But um, don't stop serving over offense. We're going to be offended in the local church. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless that offense has to do with the destruction of the gospel or the destruction of people, mm-hmm. uh, remain right, and press right. in and keep going. Right. And I would say in terms of those expectations, and I would say we even need to temper our expectation about application. And, you know, so if, you know, let's say some current event happens and we kind of we say, OK, they must address this. If they don't address this then they're not really being faithful to the gospel. Well, I'm sorry, but if the, you know, the pastor is going through a particular book of the Bible, you know, if there may be a nod, maybe it's during the prayer, um, maybe during an application, but if, you know, we can, we can get caught up with this expectation that the pastor needs to address this particular issue that's going on outside, I don't, I don't, I think we need to temper that expectation. You know, how is the body of Christ? How is that local body, you know, responding to it? To me, is the more, is, is the, um, is the better criteria. But I have heard that when, you know, when, when events happen, and I'll give you an example. So when the situation happened in Charlottesville and a lot of people, that was where there was this alt-right rally which was, I think, how many people were in attendance? What was it, like 100 or something like that? No, it was bigger than uh, that, but I don't remember. It was exactly. bigger than yeah, that. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah, I mean, it wasn't too big, but then, you know, there were, so there were counter-protesters, and one woman, unfortunately, died, but then there was this sort of fear, because whenever you see something like that, it's just a reminder of the wretched history of our country. Um and so there was, you know, all over social media that, and, and what I heard, like, if your pastor is not, you know, you know, if he, if he doesn't say anything about it, you need to leave that church. Well, of course, I was, you know, I had my, my senses a little more heightened. And we were going through the book of Matthew at that time. And that particular sermon uh, that Sunday was on Matthew 10. And it was in reference to like, will you give up your life, your physical, not just your, you know, laying down in Romans 12, one laying down your life, but your physical, actual life for the cause of Christ. And during the sermon, I were, I looked over and, you know, my church was predominantly white. I mean, it's a PCA church, but had a little international flavor. And so I just saw these two rows of that, of, of this sort of sprinkling of different nationalities together. And that really, to me, that really tempered that expectation, you know, so whereas I was wanting to hear some reference to what happened in Charlottesville, to me, there was there was some there was a bigger picture that was being displayed that day. And I think we really need to be careful about that with issue, you know, what's going on with, you know, with police shootings and and, and the things that are going on in our, our larger culture is to, you know, not be so quick on the draw. If you don't hear somebody, you know, especially if you don't hear a pastor referencing it from the pulpit to say, okay, well, that's it. I need to leave. 
Well, that's the piece. So I, 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 I agree with you to this extent. You don't leave your church over that. If, you're, if your pastor didn't bring up Charlottesville and didn't acknowledge Charlottesville, then I would say then you need to go talk to your pastor. Mm-hmm. Have that conversation. Find out why. It, it, do the messy thing of, of getting to know each other better and loving each other better, which means mm-hmm. asking each other, being like, listen, this thing that happened hurt. I'm in pain because of that. And you need to know that there's a lot of us who are in pain because of that. You didn't address that. Can I ask you why? That is a lot more of a healthy Christian approach than just packing your bags and going home. Um, I think we need to lean into those hard conversations. I think the fact that we're not leaning into those hard conversations, but instead going to social media and just telling people how we feel, um, that's actually part of the problem. We need to lean into that. Um, Now, I do think on the other side of this, pastors need to be a little bit more aware of what's going on and be willing Mm -hmm. to address some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have surrendered a lot of the social conversation to the talking heads on TV. Mm. Where, where is the local church forming the conscience and forming the, the social um, awareness of our people? How you vote is a Christian discipleship issue. Now, who you vote for, we're going to have some differences of opinion. But how you vote... You should be voting in the hopes that you are bringing glory to God through your vote. And that means lining your vote up with certain criteria that are biblical criteria on, on the issues and on the people that we're voting for. Um, but we're, we don't, we, the local church has to be a place where we are forming that kind of a, a social conscience in our folks. And we have abdicated that responsibility and given that and said, no, we don't want to talk about politics. Well, we don't want to be partisan, for sure. But, you know, we're a political body. There is a way of doing life, and we are a group of people, and there is a value system to the, to, to the Christian life. Mm-hmm. That's political. Jesus is Lord is a political statement, as much as it is a statement of faith. And so I think for those who are leading local churches, I would encourage you to not shy away from controversial issues just because they're controversial, but help your folks work through those controversial issues and mm-hmm. do it together. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be a both and. Um, both folks and. can't mm-hmm. run away just because we didn't touch your favorite hot button issue. Um, but also, pastors can't be afraid of the hot button issue. We, right. we, ain't, we ain't called to be scared. We're called to be the, the shepherd of the flock. And that means sometimes you got to tackle some stuff that's difficult. And, and you got to do it from, from the place of the Word of God. Um, and I think that even, even in preaching, you know, the way we do it at Goodwill Church is we preach through entire sections of Scripture. We don't preach topically. Um, we, we preach expositionally, but the Bible applies to a whole lot of what's going on in the world. And right. you're going to run into it repeatedly if you're re- preaching through the Bible. So don't be afraid to go there. Go there and help your people go there and help your people think through these things. Otherwise, we're leaving them to the wolves. And that's not what it is to be a good shepherd. Mm. All right. Well, you know, good stuff. Lots to chew on here. Um, So I think that's about it for today. And, um, you know, thank you all for listening. Um, So. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's family discussion. 
If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next family discussion.